you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, everybody. The Pro Bowl vote is here. An awesome Pro Bowl starts with awesome players, and your vote helps decide who gets a spot on the AFC and NFC rosters. So show your love, cast your vote, and make sure your favorite players make it to the 2020 Pro Bowl. Vote today and be entered to win exclusive prizes at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. Shouldn't be running on subpar turf. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis, joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Woo! What's up, Mark? (laughs) Not too much. Feeling good. It's the middle of the week, almost. How are you? Seven years, guys, together. This chemistry does <laughs> not even almost doesn't the just happen of the overnight, listeners. I mean, <laughs> you can't teach this. We are entering week eleven, Mark. Effective Thursday. Sure. Um, famously, you, your view of what the NFL calendar is is different than some others. Do you feel that we're halfway through the season yet? I do. I also think that you know you. It was a narrative for many years that by now. I had basically given up on the sport and moved on to an off-season mentality. It's not true this time around. You feel good. You feel fresh. It, it wasn't true last year. It just I like to kill old narratives that aren't actually based in fact anymore. I'm enjoying the season the best I can. My team can sit, can, continues to be a hot mess on wheels, but that's been a consistent beeline through it all. Well, you know, it helps give you a little turbo boost. Uh, your Super Bowl prediction Seattle Seahawks that is on in, fire in a classic it's gonna it's gonna on give fire. you a, it's like you know injecting uh, one of those B12s or whatever into your veins when you can revise your Super Bowl pick in early November and then sort of just ride <laughs> right, that tweet, down the stretch you tweeted that out like it was some great prediction and you <laughs> no one a needs, week ago <laughs> no one needs to know about the nuances involved it just looks good right now it does give me an idea that um, right after Super Bowl or with like two minutes ago in the Super Bowl when the game is decided 
I will manipulate a photo to make it seem like it was a, a post with those Super Bowl teams and then the score off by like two points. So if it's mm. 27-21, I'll have it 28-23 and be like, oh, almost got it. Just missed it. This it works. Year. It's an effective strategy. Employ it. It gives me a chance to you know, bring up the fact that I got the Ravens 49ers Super Bowl score correct when we did our podcast way back in the day. Or did we not have a podcast back then? Maybe that was just NFL.com. Nobody cares. I predicted the, the blackout, though, which Ooh, is a yeah, different type good. of prediction to nail. Very good. I, I predicted the antler spray drama a whole nother level into that game. <laughs> Wes? Wes wasn't with us at that point. <laughs> was that Wes was on a dock with a, a drink in his hand and a laptop. Not Wes a was in Los Angeles. On a barrel. Wes Not was in Los in Angeles world. reporting during that Super Bowl. Footloose and fancy free. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, that's the past. That was then. This is now. And we have a lot to get to. Um, I mentioned week 11. We're going to preview that first game. It's the Steelers at the Browns. I think we already we already talked about um, the Broncos game being a dirt nap game for the Browns. So, but actually, after some teams lose and the Browns win, if they if they figure out a way to win that game, people in Cleveland are going to be excited. I'll tell you that. I don't know about you, Mark. People in Cleveland, I will think, be. Yes, uh, we will also. Um, we we're thinking about this, you know, with. Um, coaches and this will be become a bigger and bigger storyline as we get closer because now it's reached the stage in the NFL where a full quarter of the coaches get fired every year. I mean, that's crazy. One fourth of the coaches go down. Um, and back it's not like a rule from the competition committee, not a rule. Imagine if it was now that would be (laughs) kind of fun. I mean, not for everyone, but but it would be intriguing. They wouldn't stick with the rule anyway. So I looked it up about three months ago, almost three months ago. Exactly. I wrote a column on this site, uh, about hot butts and the, uh, the hot butt rankings for head coaches. That's not the headline they ran, but that's what it was. So we could resurface that list and, and check in, um, where those coaches are and see w- what we think about coaches as we enter kind of the home stretch of the regular season. And it also neatly ties in with, and we've been talking about this, we've been building this up for a week, Erica Tamposi, her seg for the Around the NFL podcast. See, you took this, what I wanted to do, and, and turn it into a little something different, which is cool because we like to create together, right? Collaborative. So you yeah. thought I was going to come out here and be all like, you know, bitchy, but I'm not. No, no, I would never say that, and I would never feel that. Of course not. <laughs> I am um, excited because Ricky brought up the idea, well, if we're talking about hot butts, what about our own pers- our past and-, and some stories when our butts got so hot we got kicked out of the chair? So we'll all share a little dismissal story from our youth. Downstairs in the new- newsroom, Greg's like, oh, I'm so functional everywhere I go. I can't even think of a place I got I didn't fired. say that. <laughs> It was kind of. Like I was that, a so terrible like, waiter, like, waiter, but I'm not gonna like make up a story. There's, there's so you've jobs. never been fired, you're saying? Not fired. I mean, I've like stopped showing up or whatever. I have a story uh, though. I've only there been fired once. Right, Ricky. I want you to share a story too, yep. if, if you have one. Strawberry season just ends. You right. That's fired. the thing. You can't get fired from the strawberry job. That's. <laughs> but did six, they ask you back? Weeks and out. When your contract I, came up, did they say, let's re-up? There's, there's certainly no contract. <laughs> Everything is highly illegal, what they were doing. Uh, and uh, I was not back in the West. That was the summer where I realized I'm never living in Western Massachusetts ever again. And I, and I haven't. I've stuck, I've stuck mm. to that. I have multiple firearms. As a tear rolls down Deb Rosenthal's face. She, does, she got out as soon as, uh, you know, not long after I did. She knew. Nothing wrong with Western Mass. Great, great place, but you don't got to go back. 
you um, forgot to mention. I mean, it, it had to do with the hashtag, and then I was fired. See, which Eric was trending, was trying to bring up a trending topic. Yeah, that's great. You always mention like we ride the zeitgeist. You yeah, know, ride that zeitgeist. We're like up Thanks to with you. the times. So I sent a bunch of different ideas, and I'm. I think this was a good one. So yes, there is a hashtag out there. The hashtag is again what? And then I was fired. So we're going to share that story and then talk about coaches who will be fired potentially. Uh, but before we do that, yes, one of the games of the year. It's certainly in the conversation. Monday Night Football at the Big Bell Bottom. Hit it, Ricky. Myers steps back at the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! From 42, the Seahawks in overtime win for the second time in two weeks. And they beat the undefeated, now once defeated, San Francisco 49ers. What a game on Monday Night Football. The Seahawks win in overtime, and Jason Myers does it. What a game. Oh, I love watching Russ and Pete Carroll run out to the middle of the field together, both just yanking each other's sweatshirts. <laughs> oh. What a game. Steve Rabel, Warren Moon with the call. Jason Myers hits the field goal on the final play, uh, the final seconds of overtime, lifting the Seahawks to a dramatic 27-24 win over the 49ers in Santa Clara, handing the Niners their first loss of the season, turning the NFC West into a wide-open race between two teams that figure to make serious noise in January. What a game. Chris Wessling, so many storylines to hit here. The overtime alone you could you know, write a book about. Uh, but what was your big takeaway as the Seahawks celebrated in a game that Russell Wilson called the craziest game he's ever been a part of? Yeah, I felt like the broadcast booth was trying to make this the Jimmy G referendum game. And I didn't see that. I saw this. I will always remember this as the Jadevian Clowney imposing his will game. Brian Baldinger said it's the best game he's seen by a defensive lineman all year. And it ranks with any game in J.J. Watts or Von Miller's career, according to Baldy. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know how that's measured. But he was constantly in Jimmy G's grill. It was Constantly. It was maybe the healthiest the San Francisco 49ers offensive line has been since September. And it was also their worst game of the year by far for that group up front. And, and it was mostly Jadevian Clowney with some help from Jerron Reed, but but Clowney just taking over. And he's sort of like the bizarro um, Kirk Cousins. Mm. He does most of his damage in nationally televised games against great teams. <laughs> and they both, and they and Kirk Cousins got paid, as we know, so you could still do your damage when people aren't watching and get paid a ton of money as a quarterback. But when you do it in primetime, and if you're a defender, Clowney, and Greg, you remarked this on Twitter, it was one of the first things that came to my mind as that game unfolded, and he made, was making play after play, living in the backfield, causing fumbles, scoring touchdowns. He is going to be one of the highest paid football players in the league uh, in a few months, and and uh, a lot of that will tie into what he did. He, it was almost like he finally, and I 
I know football heads out there. Well, if you really watch him week to week, he's a game record. But no, no, no. It's also he hasn't ever quite lived up to this, what we expected. As a pass rusher. As a pass rusher, especially when he was hailed as an LT figure coming out of South Carolina. This was the game kind of people expected coming out of college, and it couldn't have come in a bigger spot. Well, his career has been defined by playing his very best in December and the playoffs. I was at you know the wild card game that he won where I think he was almost as impressive as this one. He had a game late last season. Uh, I think it was against the Eagles, it which was. was very similar to this one. And if you look at his PFF score every year, September and October is kind of okay. Mm. And then you get to November and it's pretty good. And then it, go, it takes off and he's been money... It was one of the best defensive performances I, I've ever seen. How could it be better? They, they didn't touch him. I thought the two tackles returning probably hurt them because they weren't ready to play. They couldn't get a yeah. hand on Clowney, and the previous two tackles they had in there had been playing pretty well. So many of those moves that he made, especially against Daly, but McGlinchey too, he just made a move before them, and they, they literally didn't touch him. I mean, it, it was wild to see, and he talked about it after the game, just the energy that that Seahawks team played with from the first snap. Defense is a little different, where this has been a terrible Seahawks defense this year, but they weren't, you know, they were playing with their hair on fire from the very first snap. I thought it was the best game of the year by far. I don't think... To me, there was anything even even close because it just felt like a playoff intensity. I'd want to go through it, but I mean, certainly with the yeah. setting and the teams involved. For and, sure. and like they added Quandary Diggs, whoever, whatever the reason is, they all just played much better than as a group than they ever have. It was the kind of game that made me wish, although this would be a scheduling absolute mega nightmare, that every game could be in prime time because there is undoubtedly <laughs> this extra energy that especially comes to a game like this, pitting two rivals where they are, their place in the division is changing before our eyes and everyone shows up and it, it, there are these contrarians out there that said it wasn't the game of the year it's not even a great game because it's sloppy there were turnovers excuse me Your take is sloppy well by the way <laughs> most people that go watch football and want to just forget about their day-to-day lives turnovers are exciting turnovers where the ball is bouncing around and then suddenly Jadavian Clowney rolls into the end zone and becomes this dominant force right there in the middle of the game that's enjoyable there were it wasn't just the, it wasn't just Seattle because San Francisco's line gave Russell Wilson nightmares, five sacks of their own. There were seven turnovers in this game, five lost fumbles, two picks. It was chaotic and beautifully chaotic. Right. They You saw when the 49ers were down 21-10, you thought the game was over. That was the first time they've been really like hit in the mouth all year. And they, they get a little break, but they made the play on that you know touchdown fumble return. And then they turned up just the, the swings in it were were amazing and i think the two quarterbacks had each had their worst game of the year like uh, it was we, you know it was a defensive it reminded me so much of 49ers seahawks in 2013 14 i mean the that nfc championship game if you go back to it one of the great games of the last decade i mean you could call that sloppy too cuz it was a lot of hard hitting and turnovers and big plays by defense i noticed there were a lot of the big plays are being made by new faces. You have Drake Greenlaw makes the interception in overtime, only playing because Quan Alexander just got put on IR and is out for the year. Jacob Hollister has become one of the most important pieces in Russell Wilson's aerial attack two weeks in a row now. Um, well, the Seattle Patriots were, were won that game last Josh night. Josh Gordon Hollister and Josh Gordon. O- yeah. Biggest third down of the game, Josh Gordon beats Richard Sherman. Chase McLaughlin just signed off the street in the limelight there at the end. You had... Uh, 
Uh, Goodwin and Dante Pettis. You got those guys not a factor at all. They're, they're two best receivers last year. You can't even count on them when Sanders and Kittle are. I, I think there is a temptation, and I, I wrestled with this last night. I was like, oh, what should I do with the Niners because the power rankings were due? I kept them at one because I thought even though they lost, listen, their first loss of the season, also – when you factor in their opponent, that was always going to be a dogfight. You know, I don't, I don't think any, any less of them. Now, I know with Jimmy G and one thing that on the ESPN tel- telecast, Booger was getting after, getting after Jimmy G a little bit. He was careless with the football. He got away with some turnovers. But you also need to factor in some things such as we talked about Clowney and how it was a turnstile. He was constantly had pressure in his face. And then when you lose, when you have George Kittle up in the luxury suite, um, and you have Emmanuel Sanders in the locker room and then on the bench with a rib injury, uh, it did shine a light. The only thing that I would say that would, I'd be a little nervous about was the depth uh, on their offensive playmaker side. Matt Breida left this game also with an injury. Kendrick Bourne had a terrible drop. Debo Samuel went over 100 yards, but he had a drop uh, that hurt him. They targeted Ross Dwelly a lot. These are guys that that maybe aren't ready for primetime, and you saw it, and I think that affected Garoppolo's performance because there was this urge, and, and like I said, Booger said, it. oh, Jimmy G's not ready for this, but he can't do it alone. I don't think he's like that super-duper star quarterback, and that's that explains some that of the That bothers me, and I agree with Wes, the idea of pushing a referendum on Jimmy G, who has started fewer games than, at this point, Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. He has started the same amount of games as Sam Darnold. And because he's been entrenched with the Niners with an injury loss season in the middle, you forget this guy's still learning the starter position. And he had everything thrown at him last night. And you well, saw the last two games, his swings, though. I think it's fair, though, to also just point out it was his worst game of the year. When he was protected, yes, his location was off on so many throws. Even the interception that I think it was Bourne dropped. Going high. A lot, a lot of the drops... You know they weren't. They were just. He wasn't putting him on people. He had open receivers, and I did think. You know they they talk about people talk about Tom Brady's quiet feet. I mean his feet and the way he was going through his progressions just felt very frenetic. And it's natural that that piled yet, up over over the game. But I also would say the first quarter was kind of a disaster for him, and so that wasn't necessarily just clowning. But and yet we say he looked maybe happy feet, and the way that first overtime drive started was not great. But he had them in field goal position, yep. and if Chase McLaughlin, that poor guy, makes that kick, we're talking about a totally different situation right now. And the Niners are nine and zero. But the guy, poor guy, yanked it into the tunnel. Uh, <laughs> kicking is a hard gig, man, uh, and that changes everything around the Niners. So that was my thought in the sense that yes, you want to win, especially at home against a division rival, but. Uh, don't bury the Niners off one loss because it could have. This is a coin flip. What people like Booger um, and other cognoscenti around the league. Nice hesitation there, too. I like it. (laughs) What they want to see is they know that Jimmy Garoppolo has had probably the easiest quarterback job of anyone in the league this year. Always playing with the lead. Always having a great running attack. Always having Kyle Shanahan scheming people open. Always having George Kittle as the best player on the field. And they want to see what happens when those things aren't there. But then you... You tend to overlook things like his receivers dropping 10 passes, like Jadavion Clowney being in his lap every time. So it's not a referendum. It's it's a one-game no. thing. It's a, it's a bad game, and, yeah, and right. a lot of it wasn't on him, but a lot of it was. I think it was Russell Wilson's worst game, too, and that's the thing. Like, 
I don't think you need to pretend that. I think Russell Wilson, if anything, it helped his MVP case. To me, I, I now am assigned to put it into the debrief every week. Uh, Ooh, it's, it's been sponsored on you. Well, I, yeah, I guess it's some. It's a sponsor, uh, and to me, Wilson's way ahead of the pack. And last night, didn't way ahead. Yeah, I, I think. I think so. I think Wilson's huh. been so good every single week. Um, and makes his teammates so much better. I look at it as like, what's your average game? And his av- like, he doesn't have any down weeks. But there's also seven weeks to go, which is an eternity. Uh, it's funny. He NFL. threw. He has the most famous interception, arguably in NFL history, Super Bowl Forty Nine. He threw just a crushing interception near in the red zone in overtime. That first possession where it looked like they might be going in went three and out the next drive too. Went three and out, and yet. When, when he got the ball back again, and we, uh, Greg, I'm sure you want to talk about Kyle Shanahan's clock management as well. When he got the ball that last time, I still thought to myself, "Oh yeah, you know, there's no one else I want in the league uh, in this moment because he has such a steady hand, and you just—he's a guy that even when he does occasionally make mistakes because he's human, you just trust him to not be ever overwhelmed by a moment. And sure enough, he just led him right down the field and got Jason Myers. He trusts himself. I mean, I can't like, I know that Russell Wilson is a magnet for criticism because he's a bit robotic and a bit athlete robot minded. And that's easy to poke fun at, but at quarterback, the way that he operates week after week, they seem to, he's the opposite of Jimmy G, where it seems like you're always watching the Seahawks have to mount a comeback down 13 or 17 points with 12 minutes to go. And it's like, I was watching that, and it was a tough game in our house because Simone is a suddenly revived and all plugged in <laughs> Niners yeah, fan. She's not alone. A lot no, of Niners fans and are all back in. Our seven-year-old right. Colton. The big bell-bottom was rocking. Yeah. Our yeah. seven-year-old Colton, who this was the game where he, he was rooting so hard for the Niners that when they lost, it was like, Mom, that was worse than me losing on my video game in the garage. It's like, he, he, it, it hurt him. But I tried to tell uh-huh. him the Niners are not – this is not the end because it's what's happening around Jimmy G and they're very consistent and what they've done so far is not fluky and they have an awesome coach. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried about them. I still think they have the inside path even though they lost this game at home. I uh, noticed, Greg, you are usually on these things. You did not criticize Kyle Shanahan for not getting closer on the field goal attempt. Uh, I don't think he – I think he – I did tweet one little thing about it, but uh, – I think he probably regrets his play calls on second and two, setting up the missed field goal. Are you talking about regulation when they hit it or, I'm or overtime? About overtime. I, I think he probably regrets that more than the clock management, which we'll get to, and I think he should regret. Second and two and third and one, running the ball with the best running team in the league, I don't think they just won. You know, it wasn't the play calling. You got to get two yards. Both teams had a chance to end the game. Seattle should have won the game in regulation, but they couldn't pick up a yard with Chris Carson. That ended up giving the 49ers a chance back. The 49ers second and two with this running attack, you figure two runs, whatever he chose, I'm sure he maybe would like to choose a different run, but you figure you can pick that up against Seattle. And Puna Ford was was pretty great all night too, and they just stuffed him. You got to give them the credit. And Shanahan did catch heat because there was a position after the the Seahawks go three and out the Niners get the ball back at three or four minutes to play and they no 145 oh, one, to play oh, geez. They, All right. Russell Wilson went three and out and they punted under two minutes left yeah. with no timeouts so left. 145 and if you just if you play it uh, well I guess the way to play it is do something safe and keep the clock moving early in the down and distance and then put it in a situation where you either tie or you win uh, but I, I, I got no time for that. And that, I, I hate that. That's not the way to look at it, though. It, what, what, is the, he, what was the criticism? 
here's here's what I would say. It's the same as the at the end of the half. It's the same as the end of regulation. You have 145 in a timeout. That is eternity. That's not going to burn any of your time. Whether you want to call a run or a very safe pass, it's not that you're playing for overtime. You're just trying to not leave them any time to go win the game. We're talking about in overtime. In overtime. Uh, it's not like you, you're playing for the tie, rather, is what I meant to say. You just don't want to leave them any time. There's a million screen passes or a run or whatever you want to do. It's not like they would have run out of time. They had all the time in the world. That's just obvious and good coaching. You do the same thing at the end of the first half in that situation. You do the same thing at the end of regulation, and you don't you don't let them have it's the ball. because failure, and we were talking about possession this Garrett on Sunday. Uh, there's also some accountability. There's a failure of execution. They had three sure. chances to have a complete pass, and they go 0 for 3. Right, and that, that was, stops the clock. Like you the start. great, the great. There were so many great plays in this game, but the you know the Shaq Griffin great play. You know Shaquille. What not, a game by him! Not Shaquem. Yeah. Good year. Shaquem played quite a bit over Ziggy Ansah. It first defensive snaps I think since his like week one of last year. Shaquem Griffin in that game, but Shaquille Griffin that knockaway in overtime. I mean that was an underthrown ball by Jimmy G. You can't kill him for it, but I'm sure when he's watching that film, he wishes I I wish I got that out there. For him, we might have won the game, you know? All right, and finally, Greg, I mean, you've vindictively locked against them in this game, which caused you. Um, <laughs> when it was 21-10, you know, I got a little trolly on Twitter, and I came after you a little bit about your how you were reflecting and in pain for leaving Seahawks corner. And I think this is this game more than any game that we've seen in some time is such a reminder why you never leave Seahawks corner because it's just <laughs> fun. It uh, is and fun. And it usually, like I said the other week, it usually works out for the best on Seahawks corner. Right. They're seven and zero. Oh. I'm not counting that Saints, you know, game where they scored a touchdown on the last play. They're seven and zero oh in one score games. Oh, the, they the swallowed a horseshoe. It, it is outrageous. Uh, but I enjoy, like, I love watching them. So I don't know. I can't have you back though. Like I don't need to be on Mark the corner. Took your room. I, I like a game like this. <laughs> I'm not giving it up. Like the game like this, <laughs> I I enjoy it so much, and I enjoy this 49ers team a ton too. I enjoy both these teams. But you like every team, Greg. So no. in terms of relativism, <laughs> no, that they're tells fun. Us nothing they're at fun all. to watch. I don't like the Jets. I don't really you like don't the like Browns the right now because they're you tough don't like to watch. The Jets? I like good football. Wow. Like it's, it's like it's like what? Like a game like this is so much fun. It makes me worried about why I put so much like emotional enjoyment and energy into like a sporting event. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I, think, I mean, uh, I'm concerned about it's you like too. It, but it's that's... like the same thing. I was like, why do you, why do I cry at like the finale of Top Chef or uh, any Bread. any movie that happens? <laughs> so sensitive. But like, you, you never would cry in like normal life. You know, I, I think I cried. I couldn't. I couldn't go to sleep, and I wasn't rooting or or really cared who, who won too much, and I couldn't go to sleep for. Like for this game because I was thinking hey, about do it. a job you love and never work a day in your life. Is that what they say? Something like that. We Something could, like that. What we too we could do, Mark, is um, hollow out one of those uh, hutches, one of those eaves, maybe, and take our ski equipment out of there and turn it into a room that maybe Greg could come back into. But I don't need. I don't, think, it's, I don't think it needs to be it, that easy. The room is by three back. feet by three feet. It's going to be a little tight. They're but. too good. They're too good right now. You know, mm. I liked them when they were just a, a spark, a spunky nine and seven. Uh, Team, they might go win. They might go win. When in nineteen eighty eight, they, they, they got good pretty quickly. Last year, I mean. Oh, all right. anyway, you were going to say something, Wes, about emotions. 
Yeah, I almost cried in that Cardinals Bucks games over the weekend. That game might have pulled me out of the midseason doldrums. Right, like what hole in the rest of my Wait, life is, is my enjoyment cry? for this? I'm, I'm all in on Kyler Murray now, and I might be all in on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a wow. fun, as a fun team to watch. <laughs> this is great. We're seeing Devin White with flashes, just running through people like they don't like they're not even there. I love it. Not all that right. it's been a bad season or anything, but we needed a game like this. That you was need, good. You just a need. perfect time for a great game. All right. Um, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Forget the news. I don't want to talk about the news. We're not doing the news because we got to get right to it. Ricky, as promised, um, the segment, the hashtag that all the kids, all the millennials, all the Gen Zs out there are talking about was. <laughs> when I was fired. And then I was fired. Okay, Boomer. And then I was fired. And then I was fired. Hashtag, and then I was fired. Ricky, why don't you get us going? I'm curious. Your seg, your rules. Okay. First. Well, I mean, originally I thought we were going to only antiquate this to football news because sort of like Greg, I've never really had, I've never been fired. I I do such a good job in in all of my, of my jobs. But there was one time where I wasn't asked back. And I was a production assistant on a reality TV show in Rhode Island. They were filming oh, for the day. Oh, a lot of red flags. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trying to get my start. I was in college. Gotcha. I was like skipping school to work for minimum wage like once in a while to get on a TV show to, to try to you know work my way up into directing and whatever. And this was for the TV show Dance Moms. And the woman is now in jail. Oh. So she got fired by society in a way. Right. But so did I, because I, uh, you know, to be a PA, you got to just put the blinders on and get through the couple of years of getting beaten. You know, you're the first one there. You're the last one off. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't say anything to anyone. If you get someone's coffee wrong, it's the end of the world. I mean, that that is gone. gone. (laughs) So one of my jobs was to clean out Abby. Louis Miller's trailer in between two of her like scenes and it's reality TV so it's like her driving around and the amount of like chocolate wrapper candy bars and everything all over the place was so like I was cleaning this up and I literally was like this is it was out of a movie like that should have been the reality TV show of what was in this trailer so I was cleaning this up and she is known on TV for screaming at people. So I'm like, okay, it's fake or whatever. No, she's Ooh. like that in real life. Uh-oh. Like she is a word that I wouldn't even say. Uh-oh. It is so, she is such a miserable person. But another PA, this other little girl who, and we were like 18. So she goes out and she comes back and she was like, I wanted ocean spray, um, not cranberry juice, but like pineapple, like a specific brand. And the girl comes back. She's like sweating and te- she's like, um, Miss, Miss, like I went to the store and, and I, I got all these different kinds of pineapple juice. But unfortunately, like there wasn't the ocean spray brand. Oh, and this chick takes the all the pineapple juice and dumps it out in front of her and was like, don't bother coming back to set then and threw all the empty bottles that I had just picked up of all of, all of the trash. <laughs> and, and I was like, hey, like, I, it wasn't my place to say this, but I was like, hey, like, I don't think we should be like throwing bottles at 18 year olds like empty bottles and she was like and you just lost your ticket too honey and <laughs> then 
That's I, pretty. That's a firing. I wasn't asked back the next the next day. <laughs> that's a firing, but you did the right thing. Wow. Miller, who pleaded guilty to felony bankruptcy fraud and was sentenced in May 2017 to one year and one day in federal prison. She has since been released. Oh, nice. But Good thing is, I mean, she sounds very drunk with power. Would not be the case of anyone <laughs> attached to this show right. in um, terms of, you know, your future employment. <laughs> she does have an event coming up in Guadalajara. Uh, the app dance company, Miércoles. Stay there, uh, honey. 13. <laughs> I don't know what 13 is. Yeah, she's real. She, I really cried hard that day. Well, not for me, for that poor girl. Like, how could someone? You know, that's uh, traumatic. Someone like that. That's messed up. Cool. People are bad sometimes. All right, so we're gonna we'll spe- we'll you know pepper in this personal stories, uh, but yes, as I said back on August 16th, which is almost three months ago now. Time flies. Um, three months ago, we wrote the NFL hot coach, head coach job security rankings. Who's safe? question mark on hot seat question mark no 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 they didn't give me the headline I wanted the hot butt rankings so let's just cycle through uh, this list and we'll see what's changed and what hasn't changed uh, since August alright so I'm gonna go quickly through some of these Belichick McVay Sean Payton John Gruden and Doug Peterson in the top five all safe right now all good Except I think Gruden was there because of the huge contract attached to him, and there was a lot of people I thought this season could be an ultra disaster, and he'd still be safe because it was the Raiders, but I think he's safe now because he's doing a great job this year. He's doubly safe. He's doubly safe. Uh, Andy Reid, Frank Reich, Pete Carroll at eight, and then Matt Nagy. He's the final one in tier two. Uh, that one is Matt. Nay, he's probably okay, right? This has been a bad year so far. But is there any scenario where his butt gets hot? I don't think so, because are they going to flush out the GM and Nagy and start all over again? They've tended to Yo. not make quick choices. Oh, my mic's on. So <laughs> someone from behind the scenes just came in, and I said, "Yo." Oh, hey. But, yo, what's uh, up? But keep going. <laughs> it's not really possible for him to have a worse year than he's had. Yeah, like there's they have their worst running attack I think since 1980. Their tight ends are non-existent. The quarterback took many steps back in his development, and they have the same personnel as last year. Just about. You would like to see him with a different quarterback. You would think that Trubisky will be the scapegoat, and they will find someone else to be that quarterback. And if we have more problems next year, Nagy would be in a lot. I, of I feel like it's a fair scapegoat. I mean, he won Coach of the Year last year. Sometimes a scapegoating is earned. Yeah, I, I mean, it's he earned. Is. It's not. Yeah. It's not totally not long, out of the wilderness. Dick Duran once won Coach of the Year as a as a coach of the uh, Chicago Bears as well, and then went mm. four and twelve the next year. Um, Mark, uh, tell us when you were fired. Um, well, there have been multiple times, like I said, but I, I'm just gonna I did dug into the grab. Pick one of the here. many. I'll pick one of the many, and these mostly all happened. Wait, how many times have you been fired? There was a period at, at I got canned from a job at age 16, but I will put it this way. I did it brought 100 temp jobs, and sometimes you land and they just think that you're the perfect fit, and they, other times you're not, and there okay. were many times I was not. Um, this is one of those jobs, a temp job, that was, if you work, we'll keep you around for a while, and I really wowed them with my Excel skills in a, uh, jo- a company <laughs> called Cash Now, which there's a lot of places called Cash Now yes. at this point. Hey, Excel skills in... What, what what year was this? 
This is about two. This is 2001. Oh yeah, they were handy in 2000. <laughs> Absolutely. Wait, wait mean, were you like a bail bail bondsman or something? So it was cash Max now Sherry? places typically are like a a storefront where people down on the luck for the most part might have gotten some sort of work or even an unemployment check and you come in and give them cash for 60% of the check and keep the rest. Very nefarious. And I did not, it was a family run business. I was not part of the family. They brought me in to do this Excel business. I will make the story quick to say that fate intervened that, you know, I had just moved to Denver and I was living with this couple of friend, very good friends named Kiwi and Leslie. They're a married couple. And so I'm like in this spare bedroom just trying to pay rent. So I took this cash now job. Kiwi? Weeks, excuse me? Kiwi? Uh, his name is John, but he's from New Zealand. So I've oh, called him go. Kiwi. Okay. Yep. And uh, what happened was 9-11 happened. I didn't think Erica's interjection could get worse than the last one. Or yours. I might have done it. <laughs> but 9-11 unfurls out of nowhere on a morning in September. Yeah, you could say that it was out of nowhere. Yep. <laughs> right? Out of nowhere. <laughs> Thank you for that. According to most. And uh, I'm sitting there in this hotel. This is where this, that we, we were, our company was based out of a hotel room, which is, should tell you something right there. But... We, I was there doing this Excel spreadsheet watching New York burn to the ground and all my friends are in New York. I had just moved from New York City. And so I'm trying to get on the, uh, as you remember that, try, trying to call anyone from the East Coast you couldn't get through yeah. basically. And I'll never forget this because I wrote it down. This uh, gem of an individual, this boss who ran this company was already tired with 9-11, 14 minutes into it because he wanted us focused well, on our cash job. now. Not cash, cash later. Now, not cash in 2002, <laughs> right now. And he kept saying, let's oh, stay focused, people. Eyes on keyboard. Eyes on keyboard. And I'm trying to figure out well, what's happening. going on? Yeah, and so I like went and took... I said, I have to go take a few where, phone where calls. Where was this? Denver? This was in Denver. So in his world, it was not something... It was 9-11 was a regional issue and not a... You're in a hotel. Right, a backwater a hotel room. <laughs> was he have like a, a whipping stick or something for people that don't keep their eyes? He off was a very he was a very grading man, and so he was annoyed with my my reaction to nine eleven in general. And the next day, he claimed it was budget cuts, but I mean, please, he basically fired me. And a mile away from the place, I'm home. I'm driving home in a in my lease car. Got into a major car accident, oh. and suddenly had no job and no car. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> out of there um, alright the next t- I like that story I hate the That's- story and I hope that man got I hope he's in where's uh, where's that wretched where's she on tour with she's her she's out now or, or Guadalajara, Guadalajara yeah. now he's making money off her 700,000 Twitter followers Seven, send the 911 guy there okay. too um, alright now that's a man with perspective the third tier back on August this was the feeling good feeling secure life is good tier uh, begins at number 10 with Mike Tomlin Bruce Arians Sean McDermott Bill O'Brien Adam Gase and Mike Vrabel, who is not feeling good, feeling secure. <laughs> only only one of those. I think the rest of them are all fine. I think it's pretty clear. Gase. I mean, it's crazy that the – I've loved these reports in New York the last couple of weeks with Schumer, uh, Pat Shermer, rather, and uh, Adam Gase. Where it's like, hey, we're gonna be patient, and then you read the article, and it's like, well, we're just not firing him this week. It's a, it's his first year on the job. That's not being patient. <laughs> like the fact that you need ownership sources to say we're not gonna fire the first year guy in the middle of the season, 
is is ominous. You read yep. all the time about what owners are looking for in head coaches these days. And Adam Gase is the polar opposite of just about everything they're looking for in a head coach. Like able to deal with the media, always has a nice bearing and leadership about him, is polished. Makes eye contact. Yeah. This, there's nothing that Adam Gase does that is like what the new breed of head coach is supposed to be. They nailed it. Uh, well, and, I, and, and the offense is, you know, until last week, tracking to be one of the worst in the history of the NFL. averaging Averaging 12 points per game. Before last week, Mike Tomlin has solidified his standing, right? Absolutely, he would bump up to the, the higher tier for sure. I don't think Bruce Arians. So would McDermott uh, in my danger. mind, just because I feel like he is there and he's staying and for a long, for a while. I left that one, Anthony Lynn. He I was going to say, what here. if the Chargers and they the, the things have been a little bit better, but that was an ugly loss last Thursday night. I mean, what if they went off a cliff? Is Anthony Lynn that safe on a team that's going through a ton of transition to begin with, or maybe that helps him? I don't know. I can't blame him for their injuries. He also is coming off, a re- like um, Nagy, the fact that he was a Coach of the Year candidate and got some votes last year. I don't know if they're looking. Telesco, I don't think, you know, who hired him would would have any interest in firing him. So I, I don't know if the Spanos is one of clean house totally. I'll say this. O'Brien's worth Telesco's been great, too. Right. He's He's done a good job. No, I was going to say, if you go from 13 to 16 on this list, which is Lynn, O'Brien, Gase, Vrabel, I don't think any of those guys are necessarily safe if the wheels fall off totally in these last seven weeks. Do you guys think? I think all of them could be in danger in that spot. Remember, eight guys, eight guys on average the last few years are going. Bill O'Brien just seems like he's been through 50 wars at this point and has more power than ever before. Right, I think he... Was took a lot of risks with what he did before the season. He's got to keep it going. He's got to make the playoffs, but he's on track to do all of that. I mean, he might be watching Jadevian Clowney last night and wish that uh, he didn't have to pay Jadevian Clowney $7 million to go <laughs> away this year. Nice job by Clowney. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Wes, um, you, at the post office, you left voluntarily from there, right? I left voluntarily. I, I've never been fired, but I did have... A one-day job. You're not giving you him guys. any grief. See, he didn't. He wasn't fired. I mean, I don't well, he know. He kept I, it to himself. You know, he didn't. He wasn't gloating about it. You before I said like, anything, you were like, you, "Oh, this is so hard. I've been so valued everywhere I've gone." Before I said anything, you literally said, "Oh, I bet Greg, you, you'll say that you've never been fired." So right, that's it fair. Came from you. I apologize. I was. Uh, it was just between. It was the, my start of my first year of college, my freshman year. So I was 18 years old. And my dad, I think, pulled a string or two to get me a job with a big ice company in Cincinnati as a driver, <laughs> driving a monster truck around these back roads of Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio. This is the days before GPS. I had no idea where I was going. And um, to my naive 18-year-old eyes, the directions I was given once I got out on the road, I could not make heads or tails. And there's no ways, you know, there's no Google Maps. None of I'm that. going to like Owensboro County, which I've never heard of before, to, to <laughs> yeah. drop off ice at like some country store. And there's no like vehicle training. So I'm trying to manage this oh, like 30-foot long truck, <laughs> backing it into like these pony kegs and stuff. Um, I end up coming back around midnight from my... <laughs> From my uh, delivery, which was supposed With to a end a truck it. full of water and bags. It was like a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. I'm going to watch college football, and everybody, all my friends are out partying, and you know, all the other delivery drivers are back by five in the afternoon. Here it is midnight. I come back, ended up not even making a couple of my last deliveries because it was so late and I couldn't find the place. Took the <laughs> put the ice back in like the the uh, receptacle tank, and ended up spilling it all over the place. 
And I was just like, I am never coming back to this wretched job again. Mm. So I just no-called, no-showed, and my I don't think my dad was too thrilled since he had pulled the string no. for me. Classic let dad down in a big spot yeah. scenario. <laughs> that was a grow-up situation. Just uh, too too much too soon for me. <laughs> uh, the next category is newbies. I uh, kept these in a these guys in a separate category. First time head coaches because typically they get more than one year. So let's see. Do we think any of these guys are in trouble? I had Kingsbury at seventeen. Zach Taylor, who three months uh, since this has been written, still doesn't have a win. Uh, Eighteen. Brian Flores nineteen. Freddie Kitchens twenty. Vic Fangio twenty one. Matt Lafleur. 22. How did Gase uh, get group? out of this group? Because he's not a first-time, first-time coach. Oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, how did he get yeah. boosted up? Which well, is which was smart because he could be fired. These guys have more runway. I think- Kingsbury and LaFleur are on top of the world right now. I know Kingsbury's record isn't great, but he's done what you wanted him to do All there. good. Zach Taylor, I mean, he's with that mom-and-pop franchise that doesn't pay two coaches at the same time. They're going to want to see him with the number one overall draft pick or the number two overall yeah. draft pick. I mean, they've got they a nice, nice they little, yeah, they've got a nice little lead there for that pick. Freddie Kitchens, well, there you go, Mark. No, I mean, I, what's, Zach Taylor also has shown me literally nothing, but I, I get it. It's a it's a tough situation. Freddie Kitchens, <laughs> the word that you <laughs> Eddie Dalton catching bolts the same way no, Zach it's Taylor not, is. It's not, I, a totally awful well, well, team. Hold on, though. All I the time, all the time, we talk about do something that differentiates you for one of these thirty-two jobs. I'm just, I'm not saying he doesn't possess those skills. I haven't seen it. If I could make something up, but I'm not going to. No, I think that's totally fair. I just think from Wes's point, I, I don't think he would be in any trouble. I don't no. think he'd be in trouble even if he went zero and sixteen. But I guess you never know. Kitchens mm. would concern me because you know you hear little rumblings behind the scenes and the word or the type of word that seems to come up over and over and it's not a shocking word if you're watching their games is overwhelmed and not totally ready to certainly make in-game decisions and the play calling which in theory was the mind meld with Baker Mayfield and all this other stuff the quarterbacks regressed the play calling is a weekly talking point and it couldn't be more of a talking point than it was coming out of Sunday and now what the the coach killer in Cleveland typically is not handling business against your own division which has been every Browns coach and Thursday night a lot of eyeballs on the team against the Steelers we'll get into that game but things could go very south or things could get a lot I think from here to the end is what happens to Freddie Kitchens the games will matter a ton well, the hallmarks of poor coaching traditionally are sloppy play, too many penalties, and undisciplined. I mean, you've got the the Jarvis Landry penalty after the touchdown. You don't see Belichick's teams doing this. No. You don't see other guys. That He's the poster child right now for poor coaching. Hmm. I think Vic Fangio could only be in danger if the Broncos decide they want to reboot the entire machine and they get Elway out of that position and Elway's new guy replaces him wants his guy. That would be the only thing, but I mean that would be quite an overthrow of power there. Not impossible though. They Doesn't have. seem like they want to. The ownership situation is very murky and you know there's confusion and you know finagling going on behind the scenes when it comes to the ownership. So they don't they seem like they want John Elway running the ship no matter what. Um, the first job I ever had is also the only job that I've been fired from. I was working at ShopRite, which was a major grocery store chain, still is, uh, in the Northeast. And um, was not very good at the job for the reasons that listeners might 
uh, be able to guess. My till was short several times. <laughs> oh no! Uh, <laughs> I was basic the counter for a while. Oh really? Yeah. Basic, uh, you know, because it used to be much more difficult. People paid with cash a lot more in the mid '90s. Oh yeah, uh, checks and cash, and you had to kind of balance your till at the end of the night. Now, if, I'm sure if you work an eight-hour shift at a grocery store, ninety percent of the transactions are going to be made with debit or credit, uh, if not more. Back then, it was, what like fifty-fifty? A lot of oh. checks. A lot of money being exchanged, and uh, so my till was short a couple times, but not to the point where I was getting fired. I was just put on this probation, like, hey, it's happened twice. It can't happen again. Did they suspect you of potentially taking- They always do, because right. it's, it's young punk kids. Me, I, no, not at all. I, that was not who I was. But then uh, near the end of the summer, um, my buddy Bob and I, his mother, Linda, uh, ran her own um, <laughs> um, small business where she sold crafts. Uh, little knickknacks and things of that nature, jewelry. And uh, at the end of the summer at the Wild War- Wildwood, New Jersey um, boardwalk, there was a big craft expo. I mean, this is where all the, the heavy hitters went sure. uh, to end the summer for Labor Day weekend. And for Bob and I, it was the first time we ever got a chance to, uh, I would tag along with Bob, uh, Linda, and Bob's sister, Lori, who hated me. And I returned the favor as well. Uh, we we grew to, we grew to like each other, but back then we were all young. Um, but Bob and I, it was a golden opportunity to you know walk the boardwalk and stay at a hotel and try to talk to girls. And that was also like around the time one time Bob and I met two girls, and then we agreed to meet the next night. And when we got to the the meeting point, two other like dudes, like big dudes, and one had a big snake around his neck and a wife beater, a shirt on. And uh, we just walked away because we lost. That guy's Wait got a, a snake. Uh, we were defeated <laughs> on the Wildwood Boardwalk. If you had a snake and you were taller and older than us, we knew we were already dead. That's beside the point. Anyway, this weekend was coming up, and I didn't really know how asking off really worked because I was so new to working. So I kind of forgot to ask until a week before. And then when I did ask, I didn't hear back. And then I just didn't go to work. And then when I came to work the following Tuesday after Labor Day weekend, I couldn't punch in. And they're like, oh, yeah, you were a no call, no show. So we fired you. I was like, oh, that's how things work. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Love it. I do it again because it was fun times down on the Jersey boardwalk. Now you're the man with the snake around your neck and young people are scared of you. <laughs> exactly. All right. Here's uh, the next group. Uh, John Harbaugh, this is the seat perhaps warmer than preferred. John Harbaugh, who might shoot all the way back up. Oh, yeah. To um, the top the top tier. Anyway, Ron Rivera. He's in the top tier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ron Rivera at 24. Dan Quinn at 25. Mike Zimmer at 26. Jason Garrett at 27. And at number 28, Kyle Shanahan of the 8-1 49ers. So this is the second to last tier, uh, the one you don't really want to be in. Shanahan obviously is moving all the way up to the first tier, um, but I would think that Jason Garrett, certainly Dan Quinn, and perhaps Ron Rivera are all in danger here. Well, I think Dan Quinn is is going to lose his job. I think Rivera is the biggest mystery. Like If they make the p- playoffs, it feels unfair to fire him, and yet I don't know if the, their new owner is going to just want to do a house cleaning with, with Rivera. Everyone keeps saying It's up that. in the air. Everyone keeps saying the new owner, the new owner, but I've never seen any indication that he does not like Ron Rivera. Well, he didn't sign him to a contract, you know, when Rivera wanted one. 
So that to, uh, that to me, I'll shut up then. I mean, it doesn't mean doesn't mean it's over. I just think they he went into this year kind of knowing what the score was. There's and there's some fun stuff to unpack with uh, Jason Garrett based off his press conference on Monday. But maybe let's save that for the Thursday Cowboys uh, preview. Are they playing this week? They are. They've okay. already hit their bye, right? All right, good. Yes. So we'll talk about Jason Garrett more on Thursday. Um, uh, and then, of course, yeah, Kyle Shanahan. In the piece I wrote that, you know, they believe in him. They just have to kind of do it already. Mm. And they finally have kind of put it together after going 10 and 22 uh, <clears throat> in those first two years. Mm. Uh, all right. Now the danger group, number 29. Oh, before we do that. Actually, let me go through this and then Greg's story. Danger group, Matt Patricia Lions. Doug Marone Jaguars, Pat Shermer Giants, and number 32, Jay Gruden. He gone. He gone. Who's the guy that feels the best right now? Because once you get off the hot seat and you're just getting paid money to do nothing and all that pressure and stress is off your shoulders, I'm sure he feels better than any of the coaches in the league right now. It's like when Rob Ryan got a phone call on the on a tropical beach that he had been let go by the Cowboys. Like, right away, you run to the bar and just have a great night and say, I'm still getting oh, paid. So I get to go on, like, uh, unemployment on steroids for the next two years? <laughs> all right. Smell you later. <laughs> um, Patricia, Marone, Shermer. Are they all done? I don't think Marone's done. I think... I think they need to finish strong, Wes. That's what I think. That's fair. If they if they go in the tank, maybe. But it seemed like their their owner liked the way he handled the Jalen Ramsey situation, and maybe Tom Coughlin didn't handle it quite as well. And losing Nick Foles and still being a viable team through most of that. Yeah, I think it. The remaining what is it? Seven games for them. It's gonna tell his story. Where are we at with Matt Patricia? I think it seemed like a month ago people were impressed with him, and now everybody's saying his he was hired to fix the defense, and the defense is terrible. It seems very up and down. You're right in terms of how he's viewed, but they did. I mean, remember they fired Jim Caldwell after back-to-back nine and seven seasons. They go six and ten last year, and nobody seemed particularly impressed. And then when this season kicked off, like Wes is saying, people are saying, wow, this team is making strides. The offense has certainly gotten better. And maybe they're buying into the culture, the Patricia slash Belichick culture, but they have one of the worst defenses in football and seem to be heading toward six, nine and one after six and 10. Well, it's going to come down with all these, like who's doing the firing and how much do they really want to change their entire organization? Like in Jacksonville, does he want to fire Tom Coughlin and Caldwell and Marone, which feels like the way that he would probably do it if it happened. That's a lot. In Detroit, does the Ford family, I don't know who's making the decisions. Is it, is it Martha? I mean, does, TBD. does she want to fire Bob Quinn, who brought in Matt Patricia? Because Bob Quinn's not going to be firing Matt Patricia and start over after just two years. I tend to think probably not, unless things go really crazy bad. But that I want to see year three of Matt Patricia. I, I mean, I think invariably a lot of these guys get dumped before they even get to execute whatever plan they put into place and convince an owner to get the job. And to, to begin with, the Lions have been more interesting this season than they have been in in my 20s, 30s, or 40s. That's fair. If That year that they should have beaten the Cowboys in the playoffs, they were a good I, team. I know, and their record was better, but for some reason they still registered to me as a raging dullard fest. That for something it, something about them this time around got me, my, that's me a new interested. One. If, <laughs> I mean, raging's not new, but no. raging dullard. I don't know. How many more descriptions can you come up with for this team? All right, Greg, close us out with a little, little um, Rosenthal hot butt action. 
Let's see. I I mean, I, I've quit some jobs. I quit one on the, you know, the first day by phone, which they quickly told me like, this is a small industry. This is not a, <laughs> a smart move. That was a segment producer job for uh, an action sports show. People and then talk. I, yeah. And I left the city six days later, but I'm going to think of another one Those where I leaves town. Yeah. I left LA and you know, it took me what 15 years, 10, 10 years to come back before that guy was gone in, in uh, the summer one year I was a waiter um, and you know, it's the end of the summer and people are starting to leave and party or whatever. And I guess I had maybe asked for some days off and they were just like, yeah, you, you know, we, we need some extra shifts. Like you, you can't just take those days off at, at the end of the summer. And it was my last few days, you know, of the summer and I just wanted to party. And sure. I was just like, no, which, okay, that would have been, that would have been fine. I would have maybe not left in the best terms, but I stupidly went with my friends to the deck at the restaurant to drink um, on one of those days and the manager there uh, Shepe was, Shepe. was not happy was not, was not happy and uh, started talking to me about it and we just left and I'll never forget walking down like the plank of the restaurant and him yelling after me just like that's really effing cool Greg that's really effing cool <laughs> just like screaming at me and it didn't help that I was also renting an apartment in the back of Shepe's house <laughs> <laughs> Greg you played this perfectly and, uh, I, you know, I had a roommate at the time who I you know I now do um, the podcast with Anthony and <laughs> immediately after leaving for the summer, I kept getting these calls from Shepe, these long messages, and he wanted his very expensive bottle of vodka back from his room. And I was like, we didn't take any vodka. Like, we didn't touch it. Like, I, I made Anthony just swear. From his room? I, like, we were staying in, like, an room. attic rented base. Like, and he kept thing. his alcohol in the I don't know. He was renting uh, out? It, it, there was, like, yeah, there was I mean, he one, trusted the renter. Let's start Yeah, it was there, one so. huge thing. And I was just like, he was like, that was a really expensive bottle, Greg, and all this stuff. And I made Anthony swear to me he didn't take it so I was just like I don't know man it, it wasn't us and then uh, what do you know, think old Sheppy's a few weeks face. later I realized why did I believe Anthony of course he stole the of course he stole the, the alcohol wait could you have done a worse job with Sheppy in general I mean you disgraced his business you thieved uh, items out of his rest disrespect him as a man that's what you did I, I was and you weren't honorable you and I was a bad know. waiter too I was in one of the worst sections I was a 20th percentile waiter uh, mm. Mm. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. So if you've been fired before, don't feel bad about it because everybody's got a story. Some reflect worse on themselves than others, like Greg's story. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Shepe, please. (laughs) Did you ever? Maybe that's something that would be one of those cool, like, you know. Yeah, Close call him back. The, call him back up. Maybe on the show. Like reunite? Like the 12 reunite? steps yeah. thing? Yeah, just give him a call. Okay. Like, hey, like I almost, what was that show? The movie with John Cusack. Uh, High Fidelity? High Fidelity. Just yeah. 10, 20 Check years later. It's like, hey, I know I wasn't right and I was in the wrong. And I mean, Shepe was not a popular character among <laughs> basically every staff member there. And uh, so I would he, imagine he has a side of this story, though, that we would like to hear. So. Ricky, can we track down Shepe? Yeah, I'll, I'll look. Okay. In. The fact that you went there to drink. Well, that was ridiculous. Like, that's that was, audacious. That was stupid. I was also like underage. Like, there's a whole lot of whole <laughs> oh, lot breaking of, laws, a lot state of state laws also. And also you can lose your liquor license if if you serve underage. So that would have destroyed <laughs> Shepe's <laughs> business entirely I mean, he didn't own it but yes oh well uh, but why are there caveats to what to whether that would have been a good idea for, or good for Shepe? 
I don't know. <laughs> Thursday night football. Good sag, Ricky. Oh, man. Uh, Thanks. That was yeah. fun. You did it. Are you happy with your hot butt rankings then? And is it sort of giving you a little bit of insight to what? Yeah, no, time? I think um, it's I think it's a reminder of what makes following sports so fun. Things change. You think you know everything and then a lot changes. Yeah. All right. Let's get to it. Thursday night football. The Cleveland Browns at home against the Steelers. Their last meeting, the first meeting this season. Uh, and their first meeting in over a year. Uh, they played both their games early last year. So here are the Browns at 3-6. and six. They got the W against the Bills, Mark. Um, I watched that game yesterday. Not, not a not, I, And you kind of alluded to this on Sunday show. Not like a knock-your-socks-off performance of the Browns that makes you think they're ready to go on a surge. And yet, with the Steelers coming in, uh, the, it's all there. The table is set for the Browns to get themselves back into the playoff race. Do or die. Yes, it is. I mean, I think every week we talked about it. Every Browns game from here on out uh, is that way, and I it it's a big challenge. I get that. I get that Pittsburgh's offense is, you know, probably mired in what will be a season long slump at this point, based on what's happened to their personnel. But it sounds like they might get James Conner back. Uh, that's TBD at this point. But that would be that would help because their running game has been an absolute mess. I, the one other side to everyone wants to talk about the Browns offense over and over and their defense has been acceptable uh, for stretches. But one thing that bugs me about them, because I felt like that Bills game could have used and I think the Steelers game could use it too, is something like we saw last night, like a home town pick six that flips the game on its butt and puts the Steelers into a hole versus setting their pass rush up all night long. And the Browns have seven, eight turnovers on the entire year and two since week four. They have not, where last year they were not a good football team, but they were a turnover machine under Greg Williams and it helped them in spots and it certainly helped their offense. And they have gotten two turnovers since week four has not done a lot for a Baker Mayfield attack that outside of getting Kareem Hunt back at this point, I thought that he made a big difference in that last game. And I'm kind of excited to see what they do with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt together because I expected very little with the way that they've found a way to not maximize all their weapons. So there's a lot of questions for the Browns going into this. And if they are suddenly down 20-3 to and Baker Mayfield's been sacked six times and they're talking about all the same stuff we've heard in every Browns game all year, lights out. Mm. Yeah, if you're the Browns, Without offensive line, I think the Steelers' front seven might be the last one you want to face right now. And the Steelers, the next three weeks, have Browns, Bengals, Browns. They could be marching through Ohio like like Sherman marching to Savannah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, the, the Browns tackles especially trying to stop. I think the Browns, I mean, like last week, Baker Mayfield had great protection overall. And I think he's been okay most weeks. But, yeah, matching up against T.J. Watt and Dupree, especially on the Cameron Hayward on the playing edge, great. Right, is going to be big-time trouble. They played Chubb and Hunt together. I think you're right pointing that out, what they did. 38 snaps for Hunt and 56 for Chubb out of 69. So that means they were on the field for 25 30 snaps together, which you just do not see in the NFL, and and Hunt did add a lot of juice. That's a, it was a great point to make about the defense, Mark, because remember that it was kind of like the hipster take of like, hey, their offense is going to be great uh, you know, this year, but what could really dominate maybe the best group on that team is that defensive line. That could be the best defensive line in the league. Maybe I even said that. You know, 
I don't even know. Hopefully not in that annoying voice. <laughs> but uh, they so haven't ta- they haven't taken over at all. Ogunjobi's been pretty quiet. Vernon has been hurt and has been pretty quiet. I and mean, Vernon's had a good year. I guess he. Have it, have you watched their defensive line and thought, okay, this yes. this team's taking over? Like like Garrett and Vernon against good teams. Yes, Garrett and Vernon have against been Denver. Really yes, but against like real teams, I, I don't think know. you are selling that to some short. That's fair. Garrett's been great. Garrett's piling up sacks, but I guess what I'm missing this year is the one staple of better Browns teams is you know it gets cold now and you can put teams to bed with turnovers with interceptions and they have a good secondary it's pretty deep they've been injured up and down but I don't know I could see I just see Pittsburgh hanging around if not outright taking this thing oh yeah I mean the way their defense their defense is clearly the best oh yeah group in this game What was uh, that, Mark? I don't know at this point. Oh yeah, Dan. Do you want to? Maybe I'll throw this out there. I did think Mason Rudolph uh, played his best game of the season last week, which is maybe damning with faint praise, but I think he's probably played his best two games in a row. You know, incremental improvement. Dan, I don't know if you wanted to throw out the question you did to us downstairs about Wes and and Mason Rudolph, oh, or yeah. is that not for public you know consumption? I, I, I mean, now that you brought it up, I guess I, I should do it. If Wes, because we know Wes's problems with Mason Rudolph, and on last Thursday's podcast, uh, Wes said he was going to you know, have an open mind, and then on Sunday's show, you were even angrier <laughs> uh, with a young man over his play. I, I just threw out the idea, if Wes would, were to travel to Pittsburgh and do harm to Mason Rudolph, how would Mark and Greg approach the support of Wes, both internally, privately, and then in public on the podcast. Well, you didn't just say harm. Well, it was a violent act. Yeah, life-ending harm. A violent act. No, life-damaging. In the hospital. I said that, number one, I'd take that that public stance of, we need all the facts. We need the information. We need to... I'm not going to take a side here until the case is clear to us, but... I also think that people, uh, you know, it's e- it's easy to be judgy, and it's easy just to look at what someone does and say, well, case closed, they're a good or bad person. Wes is a very multi-layered individual, right. as all people are, but Wes, uh, you know, you can see, if you just hang out with him for a couple hours, the many layers. I am not going to jump ship on Wes's friendship uh, wow. based on... Good for that. you. How about He's you? He's got that layer of velvet on right now. Look at that thing. <laughs> Velveteen rabbit. Oh, yeah. I'm sticking by him. I'm, I'm going to have the uh, research team or maybe our video department make just like a, a reel of third down throws by Mason <laughs> Rudolph just as a support. You know, I, say, hey, watch this. Before you, before you, win co- you, over before you come to a judgment, let's watch these third and 11 checkdowns. Privately, I would uh, support West to the, to the extent that I'd help find him the best lawyer money could buy. This guy's dirty. He'll dig up all this stuff. You need to find somebody. You're going to pay for it too? Uh, I'm going to help. We'll do a GoFundMe. We'll do that again. We'll get it all going, and we'll make sure Wes gets probation max. And we don't, he misses very few shows. I and then publicly, I'd keep my distance. I, <laughs> that feels just that, so, that checks out. It's just it would just be so toxic that I feel like I would. You have a I wife would, and kids to work. I would reserve. I would say no comment publicly and just say it's a difficult situation for everybody right now and I'd rather not say anything but and then I'd be working behind the scenes with you. This is this is a fascinating topic one which is, you know, wholly unreasonable and would never happen. First of all, <laughs> first of all, I'd be more likely to slip him some HGH than to harm him. 
Okay. Let's 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 get a better version of Mason. That make Rudolph. you a better quarterback, HGH. Of course. Okay. I mean, especially when you're ass. Wait, no, bleep that out. When your tendency is to back into or away from pressure anytime you're about to throw, HGH might help. Um, so I like this team and I enjoy watching them. So I want to see an improved Mason Rudolph, which you may say he's been. I do, I don't think he's improved. A little bit. I can a little I just, bit. Can I just say, I thought maybe you were looking at my screen. That while you guys were initially talking about this, I did one of those A-B tests and looked at the first six games for Mason Rudolph and the first six games for Gardner Minshew. And there statistically is not a big difference other than some downfield passing. I, that is that is damning of football statistics. That is incredibly damning of football just, statistics. Just, I'm here. I'm out here saying that the A-B test – you got to watch. He doesn't look. I don't know why bad. you need to go after the Minshew. I'm just saying this, he. No, it's not a shout against Minshew. It's, he's not as bad I, as people or certain persons, felonious persons perhaps, are painting him out to be. I would say well, this: if you watch Minshew real quick, I get hope watching Minshew, and he's exciting. I don't feel the way about Mason. I think you using stats to try to compare Mason Rudolph to Gardner Minshew says more about you than it does Mason right. Rudolph. Numbers or what the numbers are. Rudolph. <laughs> there's, there's different numbers though, and he's uh, the oh, advanced sure. metrics. He he certainly struggles. PFF, which is more just you know grading him, he's a bottom you know five quarterback, and Minshew is right around average for for starters. Yeah, they are I not think he's even in between there. They should not even be mentioned in the same breath together. I know because Gardner Minshew is Steve Young. I, I keep forgetting this. <laughs> Gardner I mean, there Minshew are, knows how to play quarterback. This guy sits on the no. bench on Sunday. What I love is that there are the mul- there are multi agendas happening here. <laughs> they, uh, this is absurd. <laughs> I mean, can we calm down a little bit with the Gardner Minshew hero worship? That's all. You have, what, he, what are you doing to say about him? He didn't play well. He did play well. He played really well. He was fine. And you know what? Mason Rudolph is okay so far. Not great. Not the worst. That is your in the opinion. I, I think he's been he's been a pretty big detriment. When you score eight points, you know, for your off like he's been a pretty big detriment. I do think he's made some improvements of though not seeming as frenetic and going downfield and going through his reads uh a little bit and not making big mistakes against the Rams. It, it was a little better. I think it was it wasn't as tough to watch. Well he, we're gonna see he how made it all incremental progress. All right. There you go. Do you you locking this one up, Mark? No, I feel like I escaped. Oh. Wes and I both escaped narrow yes. issues there with the last Browns lock. Are you guys going to stay in lockstep? Ooh, I like that lockstep. Where are you going to watch this? Well, we're we're two and one share or three. We're two and one at this point in, my, in lockstep. It, you know, Mark was very nice. It was a very generous thing he did while I was. You know, my wings were clipped and I couldn't fly out of the nest. He fed me, and he kept me alive for a while. <laughs> it might be time for me to fly out of that nest on my yeah. own this I mean, I also led you to a hideous <laughs> loss two weeks ago, so I don't know about feeding you. but um, All right. We will be back on Thursday with two shows. We have the preview of Week 11, all the Sunday and Monday game, uh, games. Also, we will recap Br- uh, Browns and Steelers late Thursday night. Who's got, Who's on that game? Who's doing that game? It's it's going to be Wes and Greg Mark. You doing that game too? I offered to if you – well, maybe you can't do it with the technology we're dealing with, but I could call in or something, but I don't need to. I mean, it's it's rare that you get to watch your team as a fan, so I wouldn't – you know, either way, we'll survive. I got to get the dongle. <laughs> got to get that dongle. Oh, I got your dongle. I got your All dongle right. for you right here. Sweet. Ah! Yeah, I don't All right. think people know what that means. But. Let's go.
No, there will be no further explanation. <laughs> Stan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, the idea generator behind the glass. <laughs> Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.